What is going on team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are diving into nutrition for aesthetics beyond just the basics. So really what I wanted this episode to be is kind of a partner episode, so to speak, to the episode that I dropped with Aaron Straker on Monday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 27th of January. Um, if not, just go back and listen to the previous episode as well. We were very much covered kind of these basic principles within nutrition for hypertrophy or nutrition for aesthetics. So what, what I wanted this episode to be, what this episode is, is just a little bit deeper dive into kind of beyond the basics, some things that are important to consider, things that many of our more advanced online clients consider to get the absolute best aesthetic results from your training and your nutrition. Because really the odds are your approach to nutrition is what's been holding you back from building the physique that you've always wanted, aka that version of you that both looks aesthetic and can outperform everyone in the gym. Now the reality is as a listener to this show, you're probably already pushing yourself in the gym, quote unquote, eating clean, and you're likely already even tracking your macros, but you still don't feel any closer to the body you want than you did two years ago. So what gives? Well, the truth here is the basics of nutrition are important to master, but they're far from the only thing that you should be focused on to achieve the above average results that we both know you want. So if you're sick of feeling like you're guessing with your nutrition, just hoping that it'll yield the specific results you want, then it's time to change. And today's episode has the answers you need to finally level up your physique. All right, so we're going to dive into the five fundamentals for taking your nutrition for hypertrophy and aesthetics to the next level. Fundamental number one is strategic carb timing. Now the reality is I truly feel bad for carbs because no single macronutrient has received such an undeserved bad reputation as carbs have over the last decade. But the truth is if you're someone with aspirations to improve your improve your physique, which I think it's a pretty safe guess to assume you are if you're listening to this podcast, carbs are vital to your success. And we'll discuss the multiple reasons why throughout this episode. But to start off, let's talk about how thinking deeper about the way you're timing your carbs can help improve your physique endeavors, starting with pre-workout carb intake. So pre-workout carbs can have a big impact on whether your training session goes well or very poorly. Now, since the aesthetic result you want is very much a combination of both smart nutrition and productive training, we of course want to do everything possible to ensure you're well-fueled to perform going into your training session. So the main reasons pre-workout carbs are helpful for your physique goals, one is going to be blood sugar regulation. So when training for aesthetics, like most of our online clients are, your body is literally using carbs, which are basically the same thing as blood sugar, as the primary fuel source for your training. Now, as you're depleting your body's current carb stores in your training, if more carbohydrates aren't available, many will experience the lower blood sugar, quote unquote, crash about halfway through their training. And this is, of course, counterproductive to the, le- to the level of performance you need to have in order to get the physique results you want from your training. So in a nutshell, just eat some carbs pre-workout. 
Two, these are gonna help kickstart the recovery process. Because not only are carbs the primary fuel source for your training, they're also a large part of successfully recovering and growing from a training session. Now, many of the carbs that you eat pre-workout will be readily available for your body to absorb and use post-workout to cement your future progress. And then finally, carb intake seems to have a rapid performance improvement effect. Some interesting research on quote-unquote, quote, carb rinsing, which is basically just swishing a sugary solution around in your mouth before spitting it out, seems to potentially show that sending your brain the signal that it's just taking in more carbs slash energy does actually lead to increased perf- levels of performance. And these studies were very interesting because again, they just, they literally had people basically swish sugar solution in their mouth and spit it out, but they still saw pretty impressive performance increases. Now, ideally your pre-workout carbs would come from a mix of starch and fruit, which gives you a combo of faster and slower releasing carbs to fuel through, to fuel you through the workout. Next, we have intra-workout carbs. Now, for the same reason as as above, intra-workout carbs can be helpful, but really as far as peri-workout nutrition goes or pre-intra and post-workout nutrition, these don't matter too much as long as you nail the pre- and post-workout carbs. That said, a few things to consider with intra-workout carbs. One is digestion. Because you'll feel bloated and terrible chowing down on bananas and oatmeal during a set of squats, or I should say between a set of squats, be super impressive if you did it during a set of squats, it's probably best to keep carbs to a liquid source like Gatorade, highly branched cyclic dextrin, or dextrose. Now your body can also only digest so many carbs so quickly, so before you start chugging Gatorade, realize that pacing your intake across the session is probably a good idea. Most will feel best with 20 to 40 grams of carbs from one of the sources mentioned before, sipped across the course of a workout. Next, intra-workout carbs make a lot of sense if you train early. Because if you train first thing in the morning, you likely don't have time to eat and digest a meal before you start training. A partially digested pre-workout meal scarfed down shortly before training will have you feeling sluggish and you'll likely be underperforming. Now, a scenario like this is where we most often recommend online clients implement some type of liquid intra-workout carb source to take the place slash provide the benefits of the pre-workout carbs we talked about earlier. And then finally, intra-workout carbs are a good way to add more carbs to your day. So if you're in a building phase and have been struggling to reach your carb goals, this is a good place to add more. Again, I would definitely do this via quick digesting liquid carbs. And this is really another scenario where we recommend intra-workout carbs to online clients most commonly. Finally, we have post-workout carbs. So post-workout is where your insulin sensitivity is the highest. So basically what this means is your muscles have depleted their glycogen stores, which is glycogen equals carbohydrate in its stored form, and thus are looking to soak up more carbs to replenish said glycogen stores. So in essence, even in a calorie surplus or when you're eating more calories than you're burning in a day, your body is more likely to shuttle the carbs you take in around your training to your muscles and less likely to send them to be stored as fat. So for all the above reasons, we generally recommend that online clients with the goal of improving aesthetics consume about one half to two thirds of their daily carbohydrate intake peri-workout, again meaning pre, intra, and post-workout. And this is exactly why I avoid specific numbers because so much of this is the individualization aspect of coaching where we look at, okay, how many carbs you have to look to work with through the day, what time you're training, et cetera. 
And then, you, then we can really tailor, okay, pre-workout, I would recommend about this many carbs. Post-workout, I would recommend about this many carbs, even if intra-workout is needed. But then again, it's the whole context of, okay, are you in a fat loss phase? Okay, intra-workout carbs probably don't make as much sense for us to drink these quick digesting liquid carbs that aren't gonna keep you full very long. Rather, okay, we're gonna keep this to mostly solid sources. So there's, some, there's many different factors here, but as a whole, again, consuming about one half to two thirds of your daily carb intakes peri-workout is going to be a good idea next fundamental number two on a very similar note is making carbs a priority so most of our clients focus on aesthetics now look your body does need protein and fat to stay healthy to build muscle etc so none of this is to downplay the importance of either macro but again, as this is a quote-unquote beyond the basics episode, I'm going to assume you're already probably hitting your protein needs of about 1 to 1.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight and fat intake needs of about 0.3 grams plus per pound of body weight. So past this point, eating more carbs will actually provide you an exponential amount of benefits for improving your physique, likely much larger benefits than you'd experience from increasing protein or fat intake instead of carbohydrate intake. So really to understand why carbs are so important, we need to understand your energy systems. So basically our body is, our body has three primary energy systems that use, essentially convert the things that we eat um, into fuel. So we have first the anaerobic lactic, or excuse me, anaerobic alactic energy system, which has the highest power output but the shortest duration. So your anaerobic alactic energy system, let's say you were doing a set of heavy squats for the first 15 seconds or so, that is gonna be fueled by your anaerobic alactic energy system, which runs primarily off of creatine. From there, we start to run out of gas with our anaerobic alactic system, so our body switches over to the anaerobic lactic system, which is going to have a pretty high power output for a moderate duration. So this is fueled by carbs, and typically last from that about 15 to 20 second mark to 40 to 60 seconds. And then once that runs out of gas, then our body switches over to the aerobic system, which is gonna have the lowest power output, but also the longest duration. It can pretty much go on indefinitely in many cases, or not indefinitely, but for a very long time. Now, if you listen closely to the description of the energy systems, the one that creates energy for the majority of intense activity from 15 to 60 seconds, aka the anaerobic lactic system, is fueled by carbs. Now, if your goal is to improve aesthetics, a good amount of your training will be fueled by this energy system. So a lower carb approach means that this energy system will essentially be short on fuel. So your ability to train intensely will suffer. And as a result, you'll struggle with achieving the levels of performance and adding the lean muscle needed for the physique you want. Now, this is a common mistake made by both women and men. And it's exactly why most of our online clients undergoing a physique transformation process are typically following a higher carb approach. Not only are carbs your body's preferred fuel source for training, but they also aid your recovery and ability to build more muscle. Now, carbs stimulate the release of the hormone insulin in your body. Insulin has an inverse relationship with cortisol, aka the stress hormone, meaning that as insulin increases, cortisol decreases. Now, cortisol is a catabolic hormone. Its primary role is breaking things down for energy. Now, while cortisol isn't bad, 
like all things, is very context dependent. Spending too much time in a catabolic state will, of course, hinder your ability to build lean muscle. Now, due to the insulin and cortisol relationship, adding more carbs to your diet can help you get your body out of a catabolic state quicker post-training and recovering better and sooner. Because the other thing to realize here as well is training is a stress on the body. Like if we're talking about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, you are very much gonna be in a sympathetic, a for lack of a better term, stressed out or catabolic state. Very likely as you will be when you're training. Now that's not a bad thing, um, like we need this spike in cortisol to ramp us up for a heavy set of squats or bench press or <laughs> any type of challenging training. But on the flip side of that, cortisol is staying constantly elevated 24-7. It's going to be far less than optimal for recovery. So carbs are very helpful here. All right, fundamental number three is protein dosing and timing. So we know that to build muscle, your protein needs are going to be somewhere between 0.8 and 1 grams of protein per pound of body weight daily. Now, you'll hear a lot of people saying total protein intake across the day is all that matters, not how often you're getting protein feedings. But let's use the example of a 150-pound woman pushing to eat 150 grams of protein per day. Is she really going to eat, to eat all 150 grams of that in one sitting? Probably not. In two? Very unlikely. So we know that in all of these studies that seem to show the optimal dose of protein, the participants who got great results from these intakes were very likely having to split their protein intake into at least three meals. So from there, to understand why protein frequency is so important for building muscle, you also need to understand a concept we call muscle protein balance. So in a nutshell, your body turns the protein you eat into muscle through a process called muscle protein synthesis, or MPS. Your body breaks down protein through muscle protein breakdown, or MPB. Now, the rate of muscle protein synthesis to muscle protein breakdown determines your protein balance. If more muscle protein synthesis than muscle protein breakdown is occurring, you have positive protein balance and you're likely building muscle. If more muscle protein breakdown than muscle protein synthesis is occurring, you have negative protein balance and you're losing muscle protein. So to build muscle, you need more time in a positive protein balance than a negative, or we want MPS to consistently be greater than MPB across the course of a 24, 72 hour a week period, whatever. And here I would probably say actually across the course of a 48 to 72 hour, we for sure want MPS to be greater than MPB. So pretty easy to understand why this is important for building muscle, right? So this really ties into something called the muscle full effect. So basically, eating protein triggers an anabolic stress or an anabolic response, meaning it stimulates muscle protein synthesis, which we know will potentially lead to muscle growth. Now, upon consuming protein, once enough protein is taken in to saturate the muscle, the quote-unquote muscle full effect happens. So first, 30 minutes or so after consuming an adequate bolus of protein, which we would probably consider 25 grams plus of high quality protein, the rate of muscle protein synthesis approximately triples. At approximately 90 minutes after this, the rate of muscle protein synthesis peaks before returning to baseline levels at approximately two hours. Now, this return to muscle protein synthesis baseline occurs regardless of how much protein is still available in your bloodstream. So even if you ate all of your protein in one big meal, 
you would only nutritionally be spiking muscle protein synthesis once in a day, even though you still hit your protein target. Now this is because the amino acid leucine is essentially the trigger for muscle protein synthesis. Even though you can have plenty of amino acids circulating in your bloodstream, you still need a bolus of leucine. And again, I would look at this as I wouldn't so much go down the rabbit hole of, okay, how many specific grams of this essential amino acid leucine am I getting, but rather, um, am I getting 25 grams plus of a quality dose of protein? That said, for all my nerds out there, I know you're listening to this show, um, the quote-unquote leucine threshold that we want to hit is about 2.5 grams of leucine to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. Now, to prove this point, an interesting study from 2011 had eight men consume 25 grams of whey protein. Now, one group just chugged their entire protein shake at once, while the other group consumed their shake in 10 2.5 gram doses over three hours. Now, the group that consumed all their shake at once saw a 95% increase in muscle protein synthesis, whereas the constant dose group only saw a 42% increase, despite total protein intake being the same. Now, this does seem to show that there's a benefit to hitting your leucine threshold in larger spikes rather than just eating one or a few big meals when it comes to building muscle. Or similarly, even like two small of meals, like I'm gonna have 10 pro- grams of protein and then in another hour I'm gonna have 10 grams of protein and then in another hour I'm gonna have 10 grams of protein, like little snacky type foods. It's probably a little bit less optimal for building muscle. All right, fundamental number four is understanding protein quality. Because not all protein is created equal. See, building muscle actually takes more than just eating plenty of protein. It's not just quantity. Quality is important as well. Because it's not actually just quote-unquote protein that your body needs to build muscle. It's the nitrogen and amino acids within said protein that are actually used for muscle growth and recovery. Just like we talked about before when we were discussing the leucine threshold. So the problem here is protein sources can have a large variance in the amount of said amino acids that are available. If you compare 25 grams of protein from Greek yogurt to 25 grams of protein from broccoli, the broccoli would have a much different, and in the context of building muscle, worse, amino acid profile, aka bioavailability, versus their Greek yogurt. So although they're the same amount of protein, the actual results you get from consuming X amount of protein can vary quite a bit, depending on the source. So in general, Using animal-based protein sources to get the majority of your protein in is a good rule of thumb. Now that said, if animal-based sources aren't your thing, you can absolutely still achieve the physique that you want, and really we've helped many plant-based clients do just that, you just need to be smart about ensuring that you're getting adequate amounts of the amino acids your body needs. So if this sounds like you, it would likely be smart to supplement with one, some type of protein powder. Now, when selecting a plant-based protein powder, realize that many plant-based protein powders will be lower in leucine, which is again, an essential amino acid for building. Now that said, many um, plant-based proteins nowadays will also be fortified with different amino acids, which does make it very helpful. Just something that you wanna check for. Now, from there, it's also a good idea to go with a protein powder from a blend of plant-based protein sources, for example, rice and pea protein blended together, because this will provide a more diverse amino and complete amino acid profile than a single source. So for example, just strictly rice protein. Now from there, um, it would also be smart 
to likely a supplement with essential amino acids, which basically means supplementing with the amino acids you're missing from an animal-based protein sources. Now, one to three servings per day combined with hitting your protein intake targets should hit the boxes for most. Now here, um, rather than su supplementing with like a BCAA, here we're talking about supplementing with an EAA, which again, typically is gonna make more sense. Now, if you're in a building phase and not necessarily plant-based, but you are eating a lot of carbs, chances are you'll also be getting a decent amount of protein from grains, plants, and the like. And this is why even though the science shows us we probably don't need much more than 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight in a building phase to add muscle, um, we'll still usually recommend clients keep protein in the one to 1.5 grams per pound of body weight range. And we'll also typically bump clients protein up by another 10 grams for every 50 to 100 grams of carbs added. Because as we ramp up carbs in a building phase, lower quality protein will start pushing out higher quality protein if we don't proactively adjust by increasing protein here. All right, and then the final, final fundamental here Fundamental five is periodizing your nutrition. Now, periodization basically means planning your training and nutrition to work in a synergistic fashion with achieving your best possible results in the long term in mind. So, for example, when an online client hops on board with us, we'll literally plan out their next six months of training and nutrition, and we talk you through via video the strategy week by week. Here's what we're doing through training. Here's what we're doing through nutrition. Here's your expected rate of gain or your expected rate of loss. Here's the why behind everything that we're doing. Really, periodization requires thinking much deeper than what do I need to do to get the best results in the next month, which is, will often actually be counterproductive to your long-term goals, and instead asking, what do I need to do to build my best physique long term? So needless to say, this involves both more planning and willingness to set aside what's immediately gratifying for what will get you closer to the ultimate goals you want. Now here for many individuals, this means like, hey, we know the most immediately gratifying thing for you would be to you start coaching, we hop you right into a diet because you'll be able to see very quick changes in a dieting phase, whereas in a building phase, it's much harder to see the immediate changes. But three months down the road from now, you'll be in the place where you're burnt out on dieting. You might be leaner, but you still don't have as much muscle as you want on your frame. And thus, six months down, from, down the road from now, your progress won't be nearly what you want it to be. But on the flip side, if we spend the first three months of us working together focusing on building, fueling your body for performance and recovery, and then spend the final three months, okay, we're going to, of course, if at all possible, we want you to continue to build, but our primary focus here is getting leaner. Your results in those two different six months time frames would be drastically different because you play the long game instead of just focusing on what's immediately gratifying. And really, I see that as my biggest job, Andrea and I's biggest roles as your coach is to make sure you're focused on the long game and not getting sucked into whatever sounds most appealing right now, but likely detracts from what you want in the long term. Now, we have an entire blog on how to periodize an entire year of training and nutrition for physique development. So I won't go too in depth here, but I am going to link that blog up in the show notes. But a few keys you need to understand to successfully periodize your nutrition. First, again, periodization is just splitting a period of time up into blocks. Each, each block is focused on creating a different adaptation 
but all of the blocks synchronize to push you towards one specific goal. For example, having visible abs by next summer. In online coaching, we implement nutrition periodization to help you as a client achieve better aesthetics, health, hormones, a faster metabolism, and results you can sustain for a lifetime. Now, over the course of months, or as long as you're coaching with us, we'll cycle you in and out of these different phases of nutrition periodization. We have primer phases, fat loss phases, diet breaks, maintenance phases, reverse diets, building phases, and mini cuts. So really, as you can tell, it's a lot different than the old diet endlessly and tell and lean approach, which really doesn't work for many people. But it's also much more effective. All these phases support each other and synergistically push you closer to your goal body composition. That's periodization. Next, over the course of a year, it's smart to spend more time in building and or maintenance phases than in fat loss phases. Now, fat loss happens quickly and doesn't require nearly as much time to achieve the results you want relative to a building phase. Fat loss phases are also by far the most taxing on you physically, hormonally, and mentally. Stay in a fat loss phase for too long and adherence slips, your body and mindset feel terrible, you'll struggle, and you're stuck spinning your wheels. Hence the above recommendation. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. So, for example, clients that have a large amount of weight to lose or have time-sensitive goals, but it's still important to implement diet breaks and reverse dieting and maintenance phases afterwards. Next, to create both a functionally strong and aesthetic body, spending time in both fat loss and building phases is important. Again, most people only focus on the fat loss phases and wonder why they always feel awful and struggle to achieve the, to achieve the body composition they want. Really, your body composition improves in the building phases and you uncover the changes you made in the fat loss phases. But really, I can't recommend enough that you just read the periodization blog linked up in the show notes. And those are the keys you need to understand to truly achieve your fullest physical potential. Now, if you need expert guidance through the process of applying these principles to build an individualized science-based nutrition protocol, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. All right, and that is all I have for y'all today. As always, thank you for tuning in.